Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Oh, hi there, everyone. This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee. And I'm Sean. And we're here today to do another (laughs) segmented episode. And Scott is not here. Yeah, he's too good for us. He's still playing games with our hearts. Oh, no. I really want to sing that song. It's 1030 at night and I'm tired. Anyway, so, because Scott's not here, we can finally talk about the taboo subject that I think we'd prefer to talk about a lot more often. Uh, What pencils are you using today, Sean? Oh, yes. Well, I recently started using a General's Calendar. Yes! Uh, Very nice pencil. Very nice pencil. Um, also the the Baron Fig uh, Carolyn Weaver uh, pencil that you gave me with the extremely long tip on it. Oh yeah, with that artist tip. Yeah, it's oh man, it's, I it's, love that. That's a, also a great pencil. I'm working on a, uh, a Blackwing Natural right now, though. That's that's my good work. Good work. I love those. These are the naturals. Might be they're my favorite. They have to be my, of the black wings. They're my favorite. Yep. It's just hard to beat that just natural, gorgeous uh, cedar. There I really is no. There's no beating cedar. Nope. Not at all. What pencils are you using? Well, right now I have a stub of a Blackwing 530 in my Timber Twist. So that is that was a, a limited edition Blackwing that they put out in honor of the uh, Gold Rush. So it's a gold pencil, um, and it has the firm graphite that the Blackwing Natural has in it. Nice. It was one of the first pencils to have that when they first released it. So that was... Um, very nice. I'm using. I I love having that bullet pencil, so I can use these pencils down to the very last nub, 
Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna spend the money on a good pencil that doesn't gonna it's not gonna have a shattered core and it's not gonna break on you while you use it, then you use it till the very last sharpening. That's my philosophy. So yeah. I get as much mileage out of a box of black wings as I possibly can. Yeah, I have a a very tiny nub of a six oh two in my in my bullet pencil and it's almost to the point where I can't sharpen it anymore. It's so short, mm-hmm. so you have but, to take it out and use it to start a fire or something. In the, yeah, in the fireplace. Uh, I'm using that, and then I'm using a uh, Blackwing 33 and a third in honor of the yeah. final record, which is one of my favorite uh, things in the in the whole world. Um, so I'm using one of those with one of those super long artist tips, and then uh, I have a jumbo pencil that I'm using. Um, it's by the Viking Company. Oh, it's actually, yeah, those are sweet. So nice. These are actually um, election pencils in uh, actually throughout Europe. So in a lot of polling places in Europe, they still will use a pencil that's tied to your voting booth so you can mark your ballot, and you mark it in pencil, which does read on a Scantron really well. So these, it's called a Valg Blyant, and... Uh, I got one of these on CW Pencil Enterprise, and it lays down just a beautiful, dark, thick line. And uh, I really, really dig it. So those are my three. That's great. Now, how much do those, those Viking pencils run? Um, so this one uh, is, I think it's slightly less than, because there's the the one there's this one which is yellow and black so it's it's lacquered and then there's a natural one that's a jumbo pencil and i think that one is more expensive than this one i think this one i think i got it for like i think it was a dollar 25 or a dollar 50 for one which sounds like a lot but this thing is is so big and the um because there's so like the the core is so thick you get so many more strokes uh, out of uh, out of a given tip on this pencil that it's kind of worth the extra money, and right. it's uh, really comfortable in your hand too, which helps because I'm my hands are prone to falling asleep, and it's a lot harder to make my hand fall asleep with a uh, jumbo pencil than with a regular pencil. Now, see, I've never even seen jumbo pencils around forever. I remember using them in elementary school. Oh really? Yeah, I remember having them in elementary school, and I I just you don't see those around a whole lot anymore. You really don't. It's really too bad. Okay, so I had okay this one I got for half price because they're actually ordinarily priced at three sixty five a piece. Okay. So not cheap unless you have a uh, a coupon or something, or you're getting it on sale, which is what I did. I bought it in a group of pencils when CW Pencil Enterprise was having a sale once. Um, and it was worth every penny because it's really a, a good pencil. They actually, on that website, they've got a whole section of jumbo pencils and they're really all very good. And some of them are way less expensive, obviously, than that. Hmm. They're very comfortable. So yeah, that's pencil talk. Very interesting. Yep. Super well, interesting. Do you want to go ahead and move into the the our next segment, Lee? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Now, so, Lee, this, this was your idea, so you... you. So I'll, I'll take it and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> you can blame me. Well, I so I just recently, as we're recording this, I recently wrote a blog. It had At the time of this recording, it hasn't posted yet, but depending on when we post this episode, it may actually... Um, this episode may go out the same week that uh, that my blog goes out, but I was thinking back about um, a passage in the Bible that really confused me when I was younger, and it was really only until I got older and got interested in theology and deeper Bible study that I finally was able to understand what's being communicated by this passage and why it's important. And this would be the uh, offerings of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. So if you oh, don't mind... yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mind if I read it first? No, go ahead. Okay, great. I will do that. Um, so I'll start in Genesis 4. Two, I'll just start at the beginning of chapter 4. Uh, now the man, Adam, had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived, gave birth to Cain, and she said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. And so at that point, that's when Cain gets really angry. He's mad at God. He's mad at Abel. And then, he, of course, he ends up killing Abel. And his blood cries out to Yahweh from the ground. And I remember as a kid, you know, reading that and being reluctantly taught the story in Sunday school, you know, and um, just being so confused about what made Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's. If, you know, if they both brought an offering to God, why would God turn away one of them and only accept one? Just because it was an animal instead of fruit, it's not Cain's fault he wasn't a farmer, all this kind of stuff. It was just really confusing to me. Yeah, I think, and, it's, inter- I think it's interesting that Cain... Cain, in Scripture, was the very first person to make an offering to God in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it also the first offering to be rejected yep. by God in Scripture. So it, it's uh, kind of, there's a clever little irony there. But mm-hmm. can, can I say something first? No. <laughs> in verse 1 of, of... I said no. No! <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, it, well, yeah. Verse 1 and 2. So, they conceive, and she has Cain. And then she says, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. And I think it was Chad Bird, but if you look at the original Hebrew, there is a link between... A hopefulness of Genesis 3.15 in that birth of Cain. So, so you know, they were... Like she prom- thinks she's given birth to the one that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Right. She 
And then that also carries on through, like, if you look at the birth of Noah, they they think the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it carries through. There's this there's hope of this this figure that this this wounded victor that's going to crush the head of the serpent and and uh obviously it doesn't come on come till a little later on but but i think that's interesting that with the lord's help she's she's had a a male child and they 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 have this hope that it is christ you know essentially what would be christ but uh, yeah, that, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think it it would only have been natural for uh, for Eve to have um, equally anticipated giving birth to the one who would crush the head of the serpent. Yes, for sure. Well, um, so uh, so part of the part of the core of my blog is looking at the specific wording of the sacrifices because that makes a huge difference in understanding what uh, what made Abel's sacrifice a worthy sacrifice and Cain's unworthy. And it goes to um, so um, in verse 3 it says Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And when you when you read further through the Bible, especially into uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy with some of the uh, sacrificial laws that were delivered to Moses uh, by God himself, you see the importance of, number one, the, the firstborn of the flock and the, the, the importance of the fat portions. Yeah. So in Leviticus three, there's a reference um, in Leviticus three sixteen. Actually, the fat belongs to the Lord, which is you know kind of sounds a little jokey when we think about it. Like, and that's why I'm elect. <laughs> See, that's why. You, yeah, you don't have to worry about fat Baptists because the fat belongs to the Lord. <laughs> it's not gluttony. <laughs> It, but yeah, in all seriousness, no. In all seriousness, blood no. belong to God, especially right. the blood of a firstborn. It's because uh, animal. It, you know, the blood is the life, and the fat is the most rich and the best. It, the best, you know, yeah, the best it, quality, best tasting. Yeah, it is. It is the best of the animal that could be offered, to, and that is what's given to God. So because God. He's the king of all creation. He deserves the best. He's given us the gift of our livestock, so we give him the best portions of the firstborn animal of each flock. Right. That's our worthy sacrifice. And the fact that, that Abel would do this way before there was even a rule from God from Mount Sinai to do it right. says a lot about Abel's intentions. Yeah, He was going to give him the best. You know what's interesting about Abel's name? What, 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 what? Um, it means breath. And uh, it's used elsewhere in the Old Testament to refer to things that pass away quickly and they're fleeting. Hmm. In our, uh, oh, what's the word? 
insubstantial. That's the word. But uh, yeah, you're right. So you know, it's it's going back to that Old Testament nature of you. Know, the name says so much about the person. So um, Abel, who wasn't long for this world, was too pure for this world. You know, some might say. Yeah. But I think his his sacrifice comes with an acknowledgement of his sin, even before God gave that edict. You know, he spilled blood for his sacrifice. Cain just gathered fruit, and not even fruit from a tree. This is fruit of the ground. So, yeah, so he tilled the ground, you know, and his his sweat went and, and labor went into growing this food. But it doesn't even say that he gave the best fruit of the ground. It was just he gathered some fruit together and, and thought that was good enough, basically. I mean, that's a that's a crude way of saying it, but... There's no emphasis put on the quality of the fruit. It just says an offering of the fruit of the ground. Yeah, and see, I wonder if, like, when it said, like, what's it say? So, what the CSB says is Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. So, basically the same thing. But but yours says fruit of the ground. Is that the NASB? Right. Yeah, NASB. Okay, so... What I, you know what I immediately think of when it says fruit of the ground is I think of grain. Mm. Yep. And there were grain offerings. There were uh, grain offerings. But at the same time, I think it was... But I don't think those grain offerings, were they were never used as like an atonement type sacrifice. No, no, no. It was more of a free will offering or, yeah. uh, or something. Even, o- even a first fruits offering. Um, right. But it wasn't. It di- it wasn't. Uh, there was no salvific. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, but I think it w- has to do more with God rejected Cain's offering, not because of what it was, but because of the intentions in his heart and the fact that he had sin in his heart. He was not repentant of his sin, and we c- we can see that because. Uh, well, the CSB says, uh, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious and he looked despondent. So, yep. so he he's just filled with rage at this, and and uh, it's it's obvious that that didn't come out of any come out of nowhere. He he is he just, he's he, filled he with a, sin. He's corrupt, as Abel is too. Abel's not innocent here. Right. Right. Um, but, but I think his, his sacrifice comes with an acknowledgement of sin because of right. the spilled blood. Abel was mindful of his sin and offered something that would maybe atone for that sin. And, you know, after all, he is called righteous um, later in, in Scripture in several places, too. Right, yeah, yes. Um, and I, w- I would think, based on what we see of Abel just in these verses alone, that even if Abel's sacrifice had not been accepted by God, he would have repented and and tried again. And, and yes, but instead, Cain, when his wasn't uh, wasn't acceptable, he got mad not only at God but at his brother and took yeah, his brother's he, life. Yeah, he became. And well, God, I, God even told him in verse verse seven, "Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it." Right. Well, no, he wasn't going to master it. He was perfectly willing to be mastered by it. It's like 
it doesn't necessarily say this in scripture, but I always felt that Cain like became ex- ex- extremely envious of Abel mm-hmm. because of the fact that his his offering was was accepted by the Lord and and Cain's was completely rejected. It, I just I always it doesn't Absolutely. I guess it, I guess I, I don't want to read that into it, but it just seems that way. Well, I mean the 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 envy that comes with that is deeply attached to his own pride in wanting to, I mean, he's the older brother, you know, every older brother kind of has that kind of, uh, I'm speaking as an older brother, but you know, is, is the top dog, you know what I mean? Yeah. And when Abel is, his stuff is more, uh, um, is more acceptable before God than his, you know, he's, he's been supplanted. Once again, it's a younger brother supplanting the older brother. And that pride, uh, I mean, gets passed down to his own children who, um, you know, brag about how great a killers they are, you know, yeah. in just a few verses yeah, later. Yeah, like Laban and, or no, Lamech, sorry, not Laban. Yeah, Lam- yeah Lamech and, uh, and, you know, some of his other, I mean, they're out there, you know, I've killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. And if Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77-fold. Like, I'm going to, I'm not just going to double down. I'm going to quadruple down on what my grandpa, grandpa did, you know? Right. And I think, I think what also gets overlooked here is the mercy that God shows Cain. With the mark? Well, not even that. Like, in, in these verses that we're talking about, Cain becomes furious because oh right 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 because of something that he did it has nothing to do with what god did and this this horrible offering that he gives the creator of the universe god had every right to just and and the fact that he became angry almost at angry at god almost oh sure uh i mean he god had every yeah, right no just way. to smite him right there yeah. Just en- just end him right there. And instead, he says, why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? So he, he's leaving it open repent. right there. Yeah, he's repent leaving. Repent and believe. You know? Right, repent and believe and turn from your sin. And do right. Don't let it control you and boom. He Yeah. So I think that I've always seen God's mercy and compassion in that and I've never really heard too many people talk about it that way and absolutely well and, and you know to bring it back to what I was saying before you know not understanding it as a kid to be able to then go back and and seeing this story when I was younger as just something that seemed very um, arbitrary and, and capricious of God to actually then with a little bit of study through the rest of the Bible and understanding of theology and the the basis for what made Abel sacrifice better, um, it goes from being an arbitrary um, issue uh, to something that's uh, incredibly relevant. I mean, even to my own life right now in the New Covenant, yeah. and it, it's crystal clear why why Cain wasn't acceptable and had nothing to do. It had partly to do with what he brought, but it it really had to right. do with the heart, the motivations for why he, how he brought what he brought, versus why Abel brought what he brought, mm-hmm. and the and the sacrifices themselves mirror that intention in both of their hearts. 
one was was a uh, somebody who who knew his own sin and knew God's grace, and so he gave sacrificially um, to God by giving the first fruits of of the flock and the fat portions. Whereas Cain, I, I see it as him just sort of hastily grabbing some of his vegetables and dragging them over. Yeah, throwing them in a and, basket. You know, and he's like, ah, that'll this will do. There's lots of that that lazy worship that occurs today, um, and uh, I could well, go on and on about that. Not to change the subject completely, but like you said, uh, it was only after you got a little older and you started to understand theology more that you looked back on this this story in scripture and you were able to understand it better. I one of my I think I've said this before, but Scott's not here, so I can talk about it. <laughs> One of my my absolute favorite books of the Bible is Jonah. Great book. And, and it's so short and to the point. And as a kid, it was, you know, it's a very famous, you know, story for kids growing up. And as I got older and I started to understand theology more and I kept and I re- read it again, it just like punches you in the face like it's God's sovereignty. Yeah, it's like God's sovereignty is everywhere, and you yep. cannot get get away from it. <laughs> yeah, you cannot run from the will of God. Well, yeah. and I was just I was just reading in the Psalms of the day the other day, talking about how you know uh, where can I go from your spirit? You know, from the yeah. from the depths of the oceans to the highest heavens, you're there. So he tried to escape God, and he ended up getting dragged, you know, to the to the bottom of the ocean in the in the belly of a fish god was still there even as he was praying inside that fish and then he got spit up at the destination where he didn't want to go in the first place it's all god's sovereignty it cracks i'm sorry i was yawning and it cracks me up i'm sorry um, to bore you Sean. no no i'm tired it's <laughs> 11 o'clock at night oh, um yes. It, it cracks me up too how at the end of Jonah when he was Jonah's like yelling at God mad he's like I knew you'd save them I knew you'd be compassionate <laughs> gosh <laughs> <laughs> I can just like see him we've doing all that. felt just... that <laughs> yeah. you know, that's why I didn't want to do it all to... that grace we definitely don't want him to show it to anybody else that's yes. mine and see well they were Assyrians and Nineveh right and and being and being a Hebrew Jonah the Assyrians were like the arch nemesis of oh the of dirtiest Israel. of the dirty yeah and they were and he was he did not want to go to Nineveh he did not want to see any Assyrian saved from God's wrath and there you go he was like I knew you'd do that and they and they were ripe for the picking too oh yeah it, it was like it was like the great awakening in there <laughs> oh yeah they they were like let's call a fast and rub ashes on our head and put on sackcloth and even the cattle were saved <laughs> that's the most important thing that's right even the cows got saved <laughs> but cool Cool. Well, and you anyway, back on that. Back to Cain and Abel. Do we want to add anything else? No, nah, I've I've said my piece. Um, I'm just you know, it's just it's another piece of things where, you know, you're just thankful that God continues to use His Word to instruct and inform you as as you grow. Um, even though the Word is 
never changes. The word's always been the same. But as as I grow, um, I grow more and more to to learn and understand from the Bible. It's not that its yeah. message changes, but it, it changes me to fit the message. Right. So and I'm very appreciative of that. And it's amazing that this this book that, that I'm holding, I'm holding one right now. Um you know, it, there's books bigger than this. This book. Um mm-hmm. there's books longer than this. Um like Dune. But, oh yeah, or well, I don't know. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> Ooh, that's a big one. But the thing is, it's so rich, and the uh, there's so much that's packed in these words that you can spend an entire lifetime studying the Bible and still not... You're never going to fully understand the Word of God to the depth that God does. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, the, the book of Zechariah is always going to be there to confuse you. <laughs> or Re- Revelation, man. Revelation's really confusing too. Revelation's rough. I enjoy it cuz there's a lot of Old Testament imagery in it. But Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it The Bible's amazing. I love the Bible. Yeah. Same. I guess we should. We're Reformed Baptists. Right. We should. I mean, the show is called Guys with Bibles after all. It's it better true. be our favorite. Yeah. Yeah, and the, being a CSB onlyism guy, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've never accused anyone of bibliolatry before, but you might be the first. <laughs> I'm the I'm the Stephen Anderson of the CSBs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Whatever. Anyway. So let's move um, on to our next segment. Yeah, to to bring this thing home, we've talked about the Bible for a good long time, but what are you currently reading right now? Ooh, well, I'm still working on God in the Whirlwind. Oh, I'm about half start that. I'm about halfway through it. Um and I'm about halfway through Orthodox Radicals, I'm going with that one slow, because it's kind of a hard read. That's a hard read. Um, I have not started getting the garden right. That's the next one on the list. These these are books that you are reading, not ones you haven't read yet. (laughs) Oh, well. Okay, well, I am reading God in the Whirlwind, uh, Orthodox Radicals. And I'm going to, I, I was reading it, and I'm picking it back up. I'm going to read some tonight. Dune. Yes. Now I'm, out of, now I'm out of theology books, because sometimes I, I have to take a break from theology books, because yep. it's just... Same. I'm in that mode right now myself. It's, it's, it's heavy, and it's, it's a lot of, I just want to, like, kind of turn that part of my brain off sometimes, so I don't mm-hmm. have to think so much, and just kind of yep. enjoy the book. Not that I don't enjoy theology, but... And then I also, last night I started reading uh, my... I picked up my complete works of H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. And started reading it again, and this dude was a genius. Genius. A tortured genius. He was insane, but <laughs> the dude was a genius. I just, I love his writing style, and... Me too. This... This book's really cool. I actually got it at Barnes and Noble. Um, oh, really? I don't. 
Yeah, and it was in like the the classic section, or like you know what I mean. Oh, where they do the whole like the uh, hardback, like yeah, and uh, the beginning of each um, story because they're all short stories. That's all he mm-hmm. wrote. Um, it tells like what magazine they were re- they were released in and the date, like the month and a year that oh, they were that's released, cool. and a little background on like on that story like how he wrote why he wrote it or whatever so it's kind of neat um that is so cool but there's i would guess uh there's a little over a thousand pages long wow and yeah i can see that there is a lot those short stories are sometimes uh novella length a few of them are. Yeah, yeah, he, there's a few of them that are kind of longer, but... But the Mountains of Madness is one of those. That's really... It's longer for him. Yeah. Yeah, that Good might stuff, actually though. be his uh, his longest. I think it is. I, have, I, I haven't measured it out, but his stuff's good. Yeah, it, it's and it's, it's, like, really unsettling, and they never... Like everybody's like Stephen King came up with like the that terrible that ending that makes you feel terrible. Oh. No, no, it was H.P. Lovecraft. Exactly. We would not have <laughs> creepy horror fiction without him because it's like no, there aren't jump scares. I mean, there's no like there are monsters, but there. I mean, it's not up there in your face. It's just like yeah. just pure dread. Like and it's not, not knowing what's coming around the corner. And there's like subgenres within horror mm-hmm. and. Like, you have, like, I don't know if you are familiar with, like, Clive Barker. Yeah. I like Clive I Barker stuff, but it's, like, splatter gore. Like, it is, yes. like, disgusting. Very gory and graphic descriptions of stuff. Yeah. And then you have H.P. Lovecraft, which is, like, all psychological. Yep. And it it's, like, a completely different thing. I don't know. It's weird. Now, I don't Stephen even, King... I don't even consider it horror. I just, like, call it dread. Because it's just, like, yeah dark and interesting but i i've always enjoyed reading like classic horror stuff i also have a book that has uh i think i might have got that at barnes and noble too actually it has uh like like the bram stoker's dracula and shelley's frankenstein and nice dr jekyll and mr hyde it has like those three and uh like i've always and mr hyde yeah it's good I've always enjoyed that classic horror stuff. Be yep. it, it's like completely different from anything now, but it's still really unsettling. But in a way that I can't really describe. It's it's just it's cool. Yep. I remember in in high school we read um, Shelley's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein yeah. and uh, and Jekyll and Hyde around the same time and compared them both against a Christian worldview. And that was one of my favorite exercises ever in a literature class. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah Frankenstein failed the test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that monster came out morally neutral or kind of on the good side. And uh, we're like, uh-uh, uh nope, nope. Sounds like Don't. you're making up a D&D character alignment. <laughs> yeah, chaotic good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so, I, I think that's all I'm reading right now. Nice. Very nice. 
I'm continuing to read uh, Albert Moeller's book on the Apostles' Creed. Dude, called... that thing's looking at me on the shelf, and I haven't read it yet. It's right there. I can see the blue <clears throat> dust jacket right from here. I love his writing style. I read a book of his a long time ago called Words from the Fire, which is yeah. a book-length exposition of the Ten Commandments, and that was really good. I read that when I was... I wasn't even a Calvinist yet, and that kind of helped me along the way. Um, so I love his writing style. Um, this is a book I'm taking really slowly, kind of like uh, like you with Orthodox Radicals, because I just want to... I don't want to rush it. So I'm, And I, I tend to rush books when I read them. Uh, so I'm taking my time with that. And that's kind of my main theological book, I just started um, The Bruised Read the other day. I have it in a Puritan paperback, but I, I'm only a couple pages. Who writes it. that one? That's Richard Sibbs, my boy. I was going to say, I thought that was Sibbs. I wasn't sure, though. Yeah, I'm like the one Sibbs fan that's never read <laughs> The Bruised Read yet. <laughs> his sermons are great. I have, I actually have his, um, have his collected works on Kindle. So I've read I've read a lot of his sermons on Kindle, but oh, never actually cool. read the book, the 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 one book he's really known for. Oh, so I'm excited to to do that. I really he's one of my favorite Puritans, for sure. Uh, Mark Dever's a big fan of him too, actually. I I I love John Owen. I just it's so hard to read John Owen. <sighs> That dude. Just pages that are an entire sentence. It's yeah, crazy. and like, I'll read like a like three pages and then be like, what did I'm I read smart again? Now. Then I have to get. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to pick my, my head exploded. I have to go pick my brain up off the floor. Yeah. Very deep thinker, that guy. Oh, man. Very smart guy. Um, yeah, he's good. And then um, I. I'm actually reading, like you said, uh, you're in a phase now where you're kind of taking uh, taking it easy on theology a little bit. I'm kind of in the same boat, too. So I've been reading the uh, Western fiction of Elmore Leonard, and I'm really oh, the, enjoying that. S some short the, stories the, and novellas. The Native American hater? Y yes, exactly. Yeah. But that, like that dude him. could write. I no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He didn't. Nah, he didn't hate him. Actually, he, he some of his uh, Native American characters are very, very interesting and complex people in some of the stories. Even some Chiricahuas, which are pretty cool. Um, so those stories are good, and um, and then I'm also uh, fighting my way through Dune Messiah. So that's the second book of the Dune saga. I'm enjoying that, and then I just uh, restarted the Silmarillion again because I'm I'm oh. sharpen up my Tolkien lore. I've forgotten yes. a lot. You know what? Years. I have. Let's see here. I have the Silmarillion, and then I I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven of like the nine volumes of the history the of the Nine Lord. Rings of Power. <laughs> Are you a ring wraith? <laughs> That's what they sound like. <laughs> yeah, it, I kind of I wanted to pick it up again after the recent news about uh, Christopher Tolkien's death. Yeah, because we that's literally very we sad. wouldn't have the Silmarillion in print without him. 
Yes, and the... Uh, okay, one second. I'm going to go grab the three volumes real quick. Do it. Okay, I'm back. So, there's three of the volumes of the History of Middle-Earth were actually by Christopher Tolkien. Smart. Um, Is, are these the ones they, where he was like kind of annotating his dad's yeah, notes? Yeah, he took his okay. dad's notes of how he came up with the ideas for Middle Earth and the characters and the languages and all the stuff that Tolkien, he's like a genius, all the stuff that he came up with. And he kind of expound expounded on it. And there's a, it's a three part, uh, three novels here, but three books, but, the first one is The Return of the Shadow. Then it's The Treason of Isengard. And then it's The War of the Ring. And he goes through here and there's there's like original like drafts from from J.R.R. Tolkien. And then Christopher's like expounding on them and like the ideas and there's dates and when he wrote the stuff. It's really interesting. That's so cool. And there's like little poems and stuff that that Tolkien had written, like about characters that never made it into the books. That's in oh. here. It's really it's really cool. That's legit. I want that so bad. the The Lord of the Rings was so important to me, like my my development as a person, because <laughs> I was I was what I think I was eleven, eleven or twelve when they came out. They're like super formulative for me as a as I grew into my teenage years. I right love, and love those and it's, stories. It's interesting. It's it's uh I'm not gonna say that the Lord of the Rings is like a complete like Christian allegory. No, because but, and Tol- he, Tolkien didn't uh want it to be and an he allegory. Did, and he didn't want it to be, but there's definitely like elements of Christianity in there. Yeah, it's such a parallel of the Christian worldview. Like, it's right. a total fantasy world completely imbued with the Christian worldview. Um, and it's which, nowhere near, like, a Christian allegory like the Chronicles of Narnia is. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's like in-your-face Christian. Yeah. But it's much more subtle with Lord of the Rings. And I think to to that, it can reach a wider audience. It was not meant, you know, just for believers and right. Tolkien, I, I believe, was a Roman Catholic. He was. Yep. Yeah, was. I believe. And then he became pretty really good friends with uh, C.S. Lewis, I believe. Yep. They were in like a literary club together called the Inklings. Yeah, can you imagine those two together? That's oh, incredible. Would be awesome. <laughs> have to be a fly on the wall for some of those pub conversations. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of C.S. Lewis as a whole. As like a theologian or as an author, period? Uh, both. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't agree with him completely. Like, like the mere Christianity, um, uh, some of the stuff in there is just kind of weird to me. Like, there's like this dualistic approach to like good and evil. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I don't know, it just seems very like a... Mystic, kind of, st- you know what I mean, right? It 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 was just it's a strange it 
strange way. He explains everything quite well. It's just it was a strange uh, thing to me. But have you ever read the Screw Tape Letters? I have. Those are really good. Now that good that book. book is is really well done. I I enjoy a lot of his stuff, just not everything. Yeah. But the Chronicles of Narnia is my my bread and butter. Those, I think that's his best work myself. Yeah. For sure. For sure. What if, are you a George Orwell fan? I am to a degree. Um I was puzzled by 1984 cuz I read it in uh, high school and I haven't read it since, but it definitely made an uh it had an effect on me for sure. Right. Like I remember reading Animal Farm in like middle school. Oh dude. And that's devastating. I, and I never, like, could grasp, like, the depth of that book. And then I just, mm-hmm. I have a copy of it. Mm-hmm. I, I actually believe I bought, like, an old copy from my school, like, when they had, like, a, like book sales. Oh, sure, right. And uh, I bought one, and it's, like, that same book that I read. It's, like, this cheap-looking hardcover, and I read it again, and I was like, oh, my god, it's, it's so <laughs> profound. And for such a small book... To be so profound, uh, he, he was a very talented writer. Yeah, and yeah. really did have deep convictions. Even though I'm pretty sure I would disagree with him on a lot of them, because he was very much a man of the left. Um, yeah, even as yeah, a man of the left, he saw how scary and disgusting these uh, totalitarian regimes. Right. Uh, yeah, truly he were wasn't the damage they could cause. Yeah, he wasn't so far left as to be a Stalin. Right. But uh, he definitely yeah, would he have, was, he'd have a bone to pick with a lot of people that are talking about things today, for sure. Yeah, he. I don't think he was as far left as like what, like Frankly, half of Congress is he, today. Yeah, he'd probably be a Republican now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, most of the Republicans are too far left for yeah. me to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, this is a Let's, theology podcast, not a. Not a uh, politics podcast. Yeah, I don't want to get into politics. What are you doing here? We'll lose all our followers. (laughs) All right, Sean, where can they find us? Uh, Okay, so you can go to uh, guyswithbibles.com and read our blogs there that me and Lee write. Or uh, you can get on our podcast feed there. Or you can jump over to iTunes or uh, Google or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe search guys with bibles and subscribe and leave us a, leave us a five star review you can uh let's see you can get on social media facebook twitter instagram just search guys with bibles and you can find us follow us tweet at us whatever and then you can also send us uh comments or questions directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com and while you're at it while you're on the internet looking up guys with bibles because we're awesome you can check out the other awesome podcasts on the bar podcast network you got the bar podcast you got uh, the pastor discussions podcast truth and fire mario esco live uh just thinking i just had to think about that for a minute but it's just thinking (laughs) and (laughs) 
Do you see what I did there? I see what you did there, and I approve. And there's another one that I'm forgetting. Truth and Fire, Pastor Discussion, Mario Esco, Solacast. That's the new one. Solacast. That's the other one. So take Good a show. listen. Everything's great. Um, subscribe to them all. Listen to them all. Uh, what are you doing with your life? Listen to podcasts. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's it. Is that it, Scott? I've, I think that's Or Scott Lee. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is all. So I think without any further ado, this is Guys with Bibles and, and we're out! We're-